thought I needed to put the light on, otherwise I can't see what I want to say. So. Anyway, Happy Christmas. It's uh, good to be together. I, was, I must say, I was really looking forward to sitting in the congregation this year, because I was sung in the choir the last couple of years, and I wanted to see whether it was as good from down there as it was from up here. And it was. Weren't they great? Should we give them a, a clap? And it was good. Thank you. I could tell there was a moment or two when you thought, well, should I clap or shouldn't I? Well, we've done it now, and it's uh, great. Thank you, Peter. I think there's more to come. Well, uh, thinking about Christmas then, that's what we do at carol services like this. Uh, I wonder how you would capture it if you were going to try and capture its essence. We were thinking about that this morning, and some of the children were telling us what they love about Christmas, and I won't go over that. There were a couple of brothers who thought they could capture the essence of Christmas. Do you remember them? They were called Victor and Henry Mears, and they created Lapland New Forest. Some of you may have been there, I don't know. Did anyone go to Lapland New Forest? I'm sorry if you did, you lost your money. But uh, they had a go and came up with what they thought would be a kind of suitable uh, capturing of Christmas in, in a few acres of mud and slime and various other things that they had down there. But, but what if we could design a Christmas theme park of our very own? I wonder what would go into it. Imagine we asked a hundred people, as they say on a quiz show, uh, to ask, ask them what uh, they would put into their Christmas uh, theme park experience. I wonder what they would come up with. I wonder what you would come up with. I guess some of us would come up with some Victorian-type stuff. You know, Prince Albert brought uh, a lot of uh, uh, what we now experience as Christmas from into English society at that time in the 19th century. Cards and, and some sorts of carols and Charles Dickens and all that kind of stuff. Chestnuts around the, the, the fire and all that kind of idea. We might put that into it, I suppose. I guess shopping might come in somewhere, you know, Santa and, uh, and uh, you know, Coca-Cola, I think, uh, originally made Santa red instead of green, and there's that kind of shopping connection with Christmas. Uh, actually, Tesco, I'm just doing a few product placements here, there's nothing in it really, but <laughs> Tesco, uh, I don't know if you've seen the Tesco ad, but they, they claim, whether they did or not, but I suppose they did, to ask people what they were looking forward to about Christmas, and they put that into their their current ad. Have you seen it? The one that's got uh, people in their various places, you know, Brussels sprouts to Birmingham, and you see mince pies in Manchester, and tea in Tenby. You've seen that, that ad? Well, uh, apparently Tesco asked people, and they came up with things like living our lives in the places where we are. Doing it together, all the images are like together. You know, they sing uh, singing carols in Manchester together and in Tenby they're going swimming. It looks quite cold there, whether that's a winter thing in Tenby. But, but whatever it is, they're, they're doing things together or with their family or they're peeling sprouts with the grandma and so on around the table. And that's all good stuff. And I think we should rightly give it a cheer. It's part of the picture of Christmas, but it's not the whole picture, is it? See, what if our world of Christmas was based upon the the biblical accounts of what happened? There would be lots of good stuff. There'd be lots of joy and happiness and peace. But but there'd be some other things as well. There'd be the dilemma about a pregnancy that I guess Joseph may have initially thought, (laughs) was it really wanted? Did he realise what was going on? There was the possibility and the the dilemma of a, a broken relationship that that must have kept him awake at night until he finally got to sleep and had that dream that we read about in Matthew. 
Is he going to put her away, as the phrase was? There's a death threat in Bethlehem to the, uh, the holy family, as we call them. There was a terrible atrocity as they escape as refugees. There were government policies making life precarious for people just not knowing how they would manage, but hoping to get by somehow for the best, as uh, Mary and Joseph set off right the way across their country to Bethlehem. It's a bit more like an EastEnders Christmas special, isn't it, if we take those kind of things into account. But that's what's happening in the world of about 3 BC. It's not that different as a world from ours. Sure, our technology is better. You wouldn't get a PlayStation for Christmas then. But, you know, it was a a very similar world as far as what's going on in the bigger events are concerned and how just ordinary people like that family get caught up in those events. And it is meant to be history. Luke, the writer of Luke's Gospel and the book of Acts in the New Testament, writes deliberately and he tells us he's writing as a historian. And Luke was checked out uh, in the late 19th, early 20th century, particularly about the book of Acts that he wrote. A man called Sir William Ramsey went around digging up quite a lot of the Middle East to see if he could find Luke to be wrong. And most of the time, Luke was discovered to be incredibly accurate as a historian. And Luke says, I'm writing history. You heard it. He says, this happened when Augustus was emperor and Quirinius was the governor. It's all not meant to be. It doesn't begin a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, does it? It's meant to be a real world, real world events. And in a world like our own, connected in time to us, in that world that we're connected to, God does something. That's the bit that sometimes we find difficult, isn't it? It's not how most people think about God doing things, getting involved in some way. We tend to prefer to think of him as an idea or a force or a a creative power or something. But, But the Christmas story is saying that God has intervened. He's done something. And, you know, as we look at the stories, as we look at the events, as Luke and Matthew tell them to us, actually there's some encouragement there, because, do you know what? The people at the early times, the people at those first events, they didn't find it easy to believe that either, actually. They didn't find it easy to believe that God was doing something in their lives, in their time. Maybe that's why there's angels everywhere. Did you notice in all the accounts of the, of the Christmas story, there's an angel. An angel appears to this person and another person and so on. And, you know, you may not know this, but that's not normal, even for the Bible. It's quite unusual to have so many angels around. It's been hundreds of years since anything like this had happened. And it almost seems like Mary and Joseph and the shepherds, etc., all needed something special to convince them that this was indeed God doing something here. Even then, the very first Christmas character we read of in Luke's Gospel, Zacharias, we saw him on Facebook, you know, he was the father of John the Baptist. The first one, he's the first one to see an angel, and he doesn't believe it at all. And you know, he was a priest. So if he didn't believe it, what about the rest of them? What about the rest of us? But as these angels arrive and appear and bring messages, what they're saying to the people then, and the people here to us, is that God is more involved than you think, that God is doing something, that God is sending someone, 
They're saying that the world is not a kind of closed box. That God intervenes. That God's on his way. That God's doing something. That God's coming with a purpose. And why shouldn't he? Uh, I think it was this year. It may have been last year. But um, a commentator not known for his theology, but more for his great jokes. Well, some of you might think they're great jokes. I wouldn't want to endorse too many of them. Frank Skinner wrote in the Times, uh, had a dialogue with the Archbishop of Canterbury. And Frank Skinner was uh, saying, and he's right, if God does exist as God, he should be well able to do things like that. And we should allow him to do things like that, because if God exists at all, and there's lots of good reasons for thinking God does exist, then if he exists, then if he intervenes, you'd expect him to do so in unusual ways. So if God's doing something... What is it? Now these angels, they come to the different Christmas characters and each time they say the same thing. Um, There are two parts of what they say. They always start off by saying, you may have noticed it in the accounts we had read, fear not, they say. Now that's kind of understandable. I I think if we saw an angel, especially in all its glory or his or hers glory, They're kind of uh, creatures of warfare, according to the Bible. I guess even seeing one would be a little on the terrifying side. They're different. (laughs) And for that reason, no doubt the angel said, don't be afraid. But maybe there was another reason. You know, it's true, isn't it, that that we're not so comfortable being around uh, a being that's kind of come hot foot from the very presence of God. You know, you can kind of see the glory, you can smell the holiness, if you like. You know, around some a creature, a being like that, you might just feel a little bit grubby, wouldn't you? Some something, someone that's come hot foot from God, there in your dining room, you'd be a little bit frightened. But each time, the angels say, don't be afraid, and they give a reason why not. And the reason they give is very interesting. First one comes to Mary and says, you're going to have a son, Mary, and his name is going to be Jesus. We saw it on the Facebook page there. The the angel appears to Joseph in a dream and says, don't be afraid, Joseph, it's okay to get married to Mary. She's going to have a son and I want you to call him Jesus because he's going to save his people from their sins. The shepherds, we sang it, didn't we? We we haven't sang while shepherds watch, no we haven't. Well, we might do, some other time. But they heard good news of a saviour who's been born. And that name Jesus, when you said it to Mary, she would have known it means, the name means God saved. God is rescuing, God is doing something, God's involved. And Christmas is telling us that what makes us afraid of God, what makes us not want him around us, those things we do, and that, that, what, that's what's behind those things, those sins. That all of that can be changed. That we can be rescued. Jesus was born, these angels are saying, so that God can rescue us. Jesus explained it later when he was an adult, and he, he said to his disciples, I'll tell you why I've come. I've come to give my life as a ransom. And he invited people to follow him, and he promised them his presence as we follow. So there's good news. It's great joy. There's an amazing rescue happening here. 
All of that must be part of our world of Christmas, mustn't it? If we're going to make our Christmas theme park. You can't put that in a theme park. I shouldn't even plant the idea in our heads. But you know what I'm saying. All that great news, that great rescue, an amazing thing. But what about that other side of Christmas? What about, if you like, the dark side? Because our world can be a dark, a terrifying, and a tough place. And the Christmas message is that God, in Jesus, came right into that world. That world. Do you know the TV show, The Secret Millionaire? Channel 4, you know what happens, the basic idea. Someone's got loads of money, they're going to give it to a needy cause, and they go in secret, don't they? And they, they get involved, and they meet the people, and they're, they're, they're touched by it. And at the end, there's a big reveal, and they give the money, and everyone's really happy. Yeah, you know the, know the story? Well, it's a bit like that at Christmas. God comes as the, the secret billionaire, if you like, the secret eternal heir, the, the secret, the one who's got everything, who is everything, gets born into our world. But as one of us, he doesn't come on a placement, he doesn't come on a, on a visit for a little while, he's actually born as one of us, he's as vulnerable as we are. If he and, and his family hadn't gotten out of, of um, uh, Bethlehem, He would have been skewered on a Roman sword, just the same as the other children that were slaughtered because Herod didn't want another king in his uh, country. He was genuinely vulnerable. God, in our world, like that. And of course, as you know, uh, as he revealed his true identity, when he said, I'm the secret millionaire, I'd like to give you something, what did we do? We crucified him. And in that, we see how bad we really can be. We then see why we need rescuing so much, don't we? But in that amazing kind of act of love and sacrifice and dedication that God makes on our behalf, he takes the sin of our world, he deals with it, and he gives us his life, risen and present with us. He lives in us and through us in this world that is so broken and so messed up. Peace on earth, the shepherds were told. Because of Jesus, God can become our father and our friend. Peace in a restored relationship with God again. Like the prodigal son who came home, if you know that story. Peace that grows in our lives and touches the world around us so that we can become uh, part of the answer rather than part of the problem. And how does that all happen? Well, we just have to ask him, don't we? It's a great verse. One of my favourite verses in the, in the Bible is Acts 17, 27, when somebody says, almost in passing, about God, he is not far from each one of us. Ask him. That's the place to start. It's just the start. There's a lot more that, that follows on from it. If you want to find out more, there's a few booklets at the back. Um, I thought I'd have one here to show you. I did, but it's disappeared. Oh, no, it here it is. Um, Just at the back, pick it up if you'd like to take it. It's called Why Christmas. It explains a little bit more about um, what I've been going on about this evening. Or if you want to talk, email us or get in touch with the office. We meet and chat and and, uh, go over whatever you want to talk about, really. Or we're doing this um, course 
Christianity Explored. We've got to start another one in the new year. There's uh, one running at the moment that will finish. In the, but, but if you're interested in joining that discussion group course, then uh, pick up one of these cards. They're all on um, the little table at the right-hand side of the building as you go towards the back. So happy Christmas. I pray, let's pray together that we may know God's love touching us this Christmas, touching those we love at this time. Amen.